listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. Fuck you! <laughs> hold this for edit, so motherfucker. Sean, fuck you. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Go from hold Word. this for edit. <laughs> so, um, how is everybody doing, by the way? Uh, Terrible. Pretty fuck fucking time. horrible. <laughs> really? Because I'm no. pretty... F- Freaking fantastic. I just you... got back from vacation with seeing Sean. Yes. Aww. We Our paths converged in Southern California. Which is rude. He was in the state and he didn't even say hi to the rest I of us. No. I'm blaming I was seven Sean. hours away. I'm blaming <laughs> Sean for the sudden shift in the weather quality here. I'm blaming yeah. you for the drought, Sean. You Thanks. know what, Sarah? Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying that the state felt a little bit more depraved with Sean in it. Didn't I think it, it did. It was better. I can agree. It was better. The earthquake the that way, happened on Tuesday. Oh, while I was I'm there, everybody, sure. I just let the fucking faucet run while I brush my teeth. Cause fuck you and your rules. You Whoa, Sean. Bastard. Whoa, living on the edge. Drought or no? That's just inconsiderate. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I totally turn it off at home. But I was like, I'm where I want to take Wait. away what little they have left. Miss Ashley's not impressed. <laughs> What's yeah. that? Rich, she like, really is. Their water bill. Uh-huh. Um, fun fact, everybody. <laughs> All of the private and profession and business use, not including agricultural, for California combined uh-huh. is one percent of California's water usage. Huh. What's the rest of it? Agricultural. Mm-hmm. Agricultural. Yeah. But I Thanks, mean, Modesto. the state has cut back quite a bit. I think San Jose itself cut back thirty percent of their water usage. Yeah. Mm. Compared to two thousand thirteen levels, yeah. yes. which is all still good. Yes. It's like, all good. I mean, I barely feel affected, but, you know. Yeah, for those oh. who don't live in California, we're in a pretty serious drought. And but it's not like I have a lawn. Just please <laughs> send shower. us water. Just seriously. <laughs> just, like, if you can get a bucket and, like, just take it to your local FedEx office and ship it I to California. I bucket. Just, every, if everyone in America just filled up a bucket. And send it to California. It would probably still not be enough, but it would be a good effort at least. It's it's it's, it's like if everybody had a chicken. If everybody, if one, everyone, if every Californian had one chicken. Oh, and Brian, just use that. What chicken. did we do? What did we do while we were in California? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. About it was a fun-filled week. He's like, what did we do? He's um, like, we're not talking about the fucking weather anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> weather. Fuck, fuck California. Fuck you weather. Except for the talking about when I was there. Fuck yeah. you weather podcast. <laughs> uh, we uh, pretty much from Monday and Friday were travel days, but when we got in. Our, our cousin Matt had a great, a lovely dinner oh. ready for us when we arrived, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Ribs and steak Ribs and, and mac steak. and cheese with broccoli and mashed potatoes. It was nice. fantastic. Uh, and then the next day, we went down to San Diego, mm. caught the Giants-Padres game. Watched, watched the, the Giants, Giants shellack the Padres. Nice. It was nine to nothing when we right. left, but they came back and scored three. Absolutely. which And we got some awesome fish tacos. Wow. Oh, um Wednesday was a fun-filled day. That was, uh, we went wine tasting. Well, we had brunch in the morning, uh-huh. uh, wine tasting in the middle of the day. Oh. How white do we sound right yeah, now, I know. Everyone. I know. Look at well, all this white privilege. It's about to get whiter, folks. We went <laughs> olive oil tasting oh, immediately God. following Olive that. oil and vinegar tasting, which was amazing. Then we um, ate Mexican, and then we... You ate a Mexican? Yeah, yes. we did. He deserved it. <laughs> <We> did. <laughs> he deserved it. Uh-huh. And then we to finished Ant-Man. him off right, Chauncey. I didn't like the way he was mowing the lawn, so I ate him. Wow. Sean Akbar. Hell in a handbasket Wait, why is that? Here. That was actually what the guy was doing. It's not racist if it's true. <laughs> Anybody could be mowing the lawn. <laughs> You're telling me you actually ate a Mexican? Um, yep. we, we ended the day with seeing Ant-Man. Oh, cool. Which was great. No spoilers. I still haven't seen it. And then Thursday was like... We we just we were at Disneyland. Sean's fiance Katie had never been to Disneyland <gasps> before. This was her first trip ever. You first trip popped ever. her Disneyland cherry. Oh yeah, <gasps> that's Hard. so sweet. And Sean, would you care to tell our audience 
how you enhanced the experience <laughs> of Disneyland. Oh, yes. There was 4D. a bunch of uh, weed gummy bears. Oh, God. From Colorado that I brought in, and we stashed into a regular candy bag, and we just ate a lot of those all day. Oh, my God. There was a point where we were eating at the Cafe Orleans, and uh, we were uh, just talking gibberish to each other, and nobody (laughs) remembers much of anything except for the food. We're just like, do you remember anything that happened in there? We're like, no, I just remember us laughing loudly a lot and everybody looking really uncomfortable around us. (laughs) Sean and our buddy Jake, um, our buddy Jake, drove from LA to meet us they were kind of like Jonah Hill and Leonardo DiCaprio in that scene from Wolf of Wall Street oh, where they no. couldn't feel the ludes so oh, they just kept taking them taking no. them taking them and then they all just kind of kicked in at once oh and the half life on that shit is really strong <laughs> I only had one uh-huh. I am not, for those who know this podcast, know that I'm not... You're a lightweight, Brian. I'm a lightweight in a, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, but particularly with marijuana-based uh-huh. products. Marijuana. Marijuana. Um, and it kicked in probably... It also took a long time to kick in. It cooked, kicked in like an hour. That's the trick. That's the tricky thing I about edibles. They it. hit you when you least expect it. Yeah, it hit me in line when we were in line for Haunted Mansion. Mm. And, oh, and that, and it was it was a pretty... It was a long <laughs> wait. My feet were cemented to the ground <laughs> at one point. I love this so much. I, I don't know if they had turned on the fog machine more, but I didn't see. No, the str- there was no fog. The, the I, fog was in your brain, I, Brian. I didn't see the strings. <laughs> it was in your head. You know, there's the bit where you're going through and you, you see the music instruments and they're all just kind of floating. No, that's and on Normally, you, buddy. you can see the strings from the ceiling. I didn't see the strings. You didn't see there was no strings. Now, for the record, I am a very lucid person when I, uh-huh. whether I am drunk or high. Uh-huh. So I was fully aware of what was going on. Oh I was my not God. freaking out. He thinks just, he's lucid, but really yeah. the whole time he was just screaming. No, exactly. It's exactly <laughs> like, like ah! There should be a split screen of what is reality versus your expectations. <laughs> expectations I, is he's holding on. Yes. Reality is he's curled up in a ball in the corner yes. crying. I Although I do remember when we were next to each other in the carts next to each other when you go through the mirrored section and it's like, be careful of hitchhiking ghosts. <laughs> I swear I saw you try to jerk off the ghost <laughs> in between you and Jake. You were like, uh, such a soft ghost penis. <laughs> Soft ghost penis. Wow. Yeah. God, that's so, really yeah, so that happened. That. And then... Uh, <laughs> oh, Brian, I'm so proud of you. Oh, you know what? We actually periscoped from the line of Space Mountain. Do you guys we know what Periscope Josh. is? Josh Testerman was on, really? was on Periscope. Oh, yeah, what? he was watching us yeah, all just talk up, nonsense Josh? while we were all... Because at, at that point, we had already gone... Taking the monorail to the ESPN zone uh-huh. to downtown Disney, I had a few drinks and then came back and then we were like, all right. And then we ate another one and we're like, okay, combination of booze and no. edible kicks oh in God. right in line for Space Mountain. We're like, let's broadcast our faces to the world. <laughs> right. Wow. Good old crossfade. Yeah, that huh? was, uh, that was interesting. <laughs> that was, it uh, was. You, could, sure. you could argue that, uh. Sean and Jake were in a whole new world. A whole new world. <laughs> I actually just stole that from Pablo Francisco. Did you take him on or, the magic carpet, or, right, Sean? Oh, there's also like the one, Sean, I'm it's surprised Sean didn't did. mention this at all. Um, when we were driving home from San Diego on Tuesday night, uh, <laughs> they were all really fucking high because they had had the gummies there, too. Attaboys. Uh, I, was, I, I was driving home because I was the least... Intoxicated. You, you picked the short straw. I know. I get it. <laughs> so Sean said, Brian, I want you to sing something. And so he is like, I want you to sing something from Les Mis. And he, and he turns, <laughs> he, he puts on I Dream to Dream. He's like, I'm not going to sing I Dream to Dream. He's like, what do you I want me to sing? I said, no, download one day more. And so he goes and downloads one day more. 
And then he puts it on and he wants me to like do it. And so I, I was, I went in cold, but I ended up doing the whole song pretty much. And I did all the different character voices. <laughs> you did. And everyone was a little shocked when I started singing Eponine's line. It's funny because you're better than the you're people so that are on the You're better than the people that are on the So y'all were just, you know, singing and, and dancing and having a good ass time. We had a wonderful time. And oh. actually I was it's always tough because Sean and I are despite our squabbling are very close and oh. uh, I don't like him I leaving. I fucked him once. You did? Oh my god. Just Brotherly once. love. <laughs> I fucked him. He begged him me once. to do it. It explains so much, doesn't it? Yikes. Um, wow. I, I miss this guy terribly, and I wish he lived in California because it'd be easier just to come down on a weekend and see him instead of mm. having to go 1,200 miles. Mm. So I think we all kind of yeah. feel that same sentiment. Yeah. yeah, and it was good to see my family because they were going through a tough time with my uncle's passing mm. and all that. So it was really good to be there and support them and, nice. um, you know, keep them company. Family bonds. Um, always nice. Not to be outsold, what, what did you guys do? <laughs> Go ahead, Roxy. I, I guess I kind of sort of graduated from graduate school. Sweet. Yeah, all right. Cool. We're all caught up. Let's go forward now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's been three, almost three years. And uh, my, the ceremony was on Father's Day. And it was lovely and wonderful. And I still have a couple of things to tie up um, as far as, like, uh, my, my client caseload and uh, some classes I have to kind of finish up that are online. So it's all kind of an easy, easy peasy Short, you know, all that to be said, I uh, didn't quite finish school necessarily, so I'm still gonna kind of be a part of it until September. And right now, I'm just finishing it all up. But it's smooth sailing from this point. You know, the, you the had hard the ceremony, the hard part's over, man. Yep. It feels great. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. I'm We're just so proud of you. That. We're so so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, Congratulations, Roxy. You deserve it. Thank you, Shanzi. I mean, your support, you guys' support has definitely been a wonderful part of this. So, I mean, if it wasn't for the podcast, I think I'd be in a lot worse shape as far as self-care <laughs> goes. So, this has definitely been an awesome outlet. Nice. But, yeah. Nice. But you, Sarah? Oh, my God. I've just been really freaking busy doing a lot of stuff for other people. Nice. <laughs> um, she means blowjobs. <laughs> Dude, so many. My jaw is like... Isn't TMJ a bitch? It really is. No, um... She now has locked jaw. <laughs> no, so uh, I was a bridesmaid for a friend of mine, and now her wedding's passed, and so mm. we've done all that stuff, and then I was watching her dog for a long time while she was on her honeymoon, and then I was watching other people's dogs while they were on vacation, and dog I, watcher girl. I know I know and then <laughs> your superpower <laughs> I know and, I, and then I've just been doing a lot of favors my brother and I painted the nursery for the for my twin nephews oh. that are coming in hopefully mid-october yay so so that was really exciting what color 
Um, so the walls are beige, nice. um, but we did green, orange, and gray stripes along the top. Mm. Um, and it's going to be kind of like all green. Those and- twins are going to pay Michael back for all of his craziness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> They're going to be like two little Tasmanian devils, just like... <laughs> <laughs> all over pretty much. Pretty much. Like, they're just definitely going to have Mandy. a handful. But I know. But Mike and I did get to go have some uh, brother-sister bonding time. Um, oh, we went good. camping for a weekend with a few of his friends. Nice. And it was crazy. This campground has no noise curfew. (gasps) It's run by a guy who is a total burner. Um, So Burner? Yeah, like goes to Burning Man. Nice. Oh, so a nut job. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, basically like, and it's free firewood, which is really cool. The whole campground is behind an abandoned amusement park. Whoa. Is this this a setup for Fallout by chance? (laughs) It sounds like a setup for a Scooby-Doo episode. It's in in Guerneville, California. Fallout Guerneville. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was cool because we've been been there before. Um, The guy knows us as the Satanists. What? Because my brother's friends get drunk and then start doing like Southern Baptist preaching for Hail Satan. What? Um, oh my yeah. god! Yeah, and so, it's so strange. <laughs> it, I love it. It's just so you weird. will feel the power of Satan inside That's you. That's basically wow. what Jesus. it is. That's basically what it is. Um, oh, and it's so like you know, baby. Like there was there was a little bit of there was a little bit of weed at campgrounds too. But as okay. the listeners know, I do not partake. That's not not my thing. But not even a contact high, huh? No. Well, I've never. I've been around so much weed, and I've never gotten a contact high. I'm pretty sure it's false. How was like forest? How was the scenery? Was it, it was, just it full was, of forest animals and and creatures of all shapes and sizes? I mean, it was sizes? pretty good. There were a few bees that were flying by my face that I couldn't handle it. Not the bees! Not the bees! My eyes. Well, Sarah, funny you mentioned that uh-huh. because yeah. Dave and I saw a movie called Frozen Ground last night, starring uh-huh. John Cusack and. Nicholas Cage. And on that note. (laughs) And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I am Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I'm Sean Moriarty. Yeah. yeah. You don't sound so convinced. (laughs) I don't know anymore. Too many edibles at Disneyland. Once you eat enough weed, I start like my entire life is, okay, for people who have seen Ant-Man, I feel like I went subatomic. You went subatomic! Hey, stop ruining things for I me. I didn't ruin guys. anything for you. <laughs> so Sarah, I'm it. sorry. It's it's amazing. I loved Ant-Man, you guys. But Paul Rudd's going to be the new Captain America. Yeah. I ruined it. Oh, God. Wow, what a concept. Oh, Captain America shrinks. Actually, it's Nicolas Cage. It's actually Nicholas Cage. Okay. Plot twist. Okay, he let's. Let, hell bent on playing a comic book character. Is. I'm an Avenger. Correctly. But why are we talking about Nicholas Cage, you guys? Let me tell you why we're talking about Nicholas Cage. Yes, Sarah, preach. I have for a long time on long. this podcast. How long? Uh, pretty much since this is predate Jesus. Pretty much since its inception, or really since we decided to start stop doing broad genre topics uh, and start narrowing. When things we started wanting to do podcasts within podcasts, yeah, in podcasts, podcastception. I know. Well, um, I have really wanted to do a rise and fall episode. And I must say, when we're since Nicholas Cage is the first actor or 
celebrity that will be tackling I even this subject. say why I picked Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like, though, his career is less of a rise and fall, more like a sine wave, because he's had ups and downs. Sure, sure. Put that shit on a graph. So why, why would you why pick him? Nicolas Cage? Because I am, I am very fascinated at how somebody goes from an Oscar-winning performance and leaving Las Vegas and then goes to Wicker Man. Hmm. It, it baffles me and how well, there's much like 10 or 11 years in between those. I know. I know there is, but it's I'm not saying I want to see the grand trajectory of yeah. this. I want to know why somebody why he went from being box office gold to being an Internet joke. I mean, let's not forget that he was like signed and ready. He was going to play Superman at one point. Yeah, that would have been like, well, some people argue that would have been the end of his career. Uh, I don't know. But, like, yeah. And that speaks to the viability of that, of him as an actor, right? Because he's an unusual choice for that for that kind of role. Yeah. And Hollywood wouldn't have made that kind of decision had it not been for his, I'm going to get snobby, guys, his box office gravitas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is Hollywood royalty. So <laughs> like, that, I mean, he is. I know. It. It's like, I mean, I've made a big one of, we, we're all chortling at you Brian. yeah you can't hear that i think rolls. i have to use now a lofty like film nerd word every single episode now just to is there a sound going. effect of a douche squirting we can do every time brian <laughs> you're says, the sound like, a guy word you can find that's it based in latin how about we just do all of us doing a very loud sigh at the same time and we'll just cut that in i'm gonna sigh at that idea yeah anyway we're not we're not gonna you. give you a sound bite <laughs> no, brian we're not going to <laughs> yeah. go back to the station house cornhole is drunk um <laughs> So, so, Brian, let's just say this. For everybody out there, if this is your first episode, just realize that Brian Moriarty is the James Lipton of our podcast. He is. He has the verisimilitude. Of, <laughs> like, we shall end this podcast as we end all our episodes. In late August. With a questionnaire given to us by Bernard Pivot from his show Pivot Uncle Tu. This is actually happening. <laughs> You're actually doing James Lipton right now. It's so is your favorite, like What is your favorite word? Oh, my God. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? I'm doing the Will Ferrell version. Yeah. <laughs> you are the greatest actor in this universe or any other. Let's start from the beginning here because we're already 25 minutes into yeah. this thing. Okay, so... Nicholas Cage is actually born Nicholas Coppola. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Coppola? What? what? Yes, he's actually the nephew, nephew. of Francis Ford Coppola. So mm-hmm. he's cousins with Sophia Coppola. Yes. Yeah. And so that is how um, family works. And the, Francis. Yes, that is how family works, everybody. <laughs> That's how family works. And then Talia Shy is his auntie. Jason Schwartzman is his cousin. Sophia is another cousin. Eleanor? Eleanor Coppola. Is that how Jason Schwartzman got work? Yes. That's Thank his you. auntie. Yes, consanguity. Yeah. So, um, Mark Coppola is his brother. Mark Coppola is his brother, yeah. I don't know who that is, um, but I, I and just want to put that out I think there. he's just a director. I mean, you're talking oh. about a bunch of actors, a bunch Good of writers, directors, tons of just the Coppola family is loaded with this artistic streak to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, except so his dad, though, was an educator. His dad was a, like a literature professor. Well, mm-hmm. fucking thanks, because now he's the outlier. <laughs> well, and that was the thing. Like, he. Nick actually grew up pretty modestly right. by comparison. But True. then when he, um, I think it, he was watching East of Eden. 
Mm-hmm. And it changed his life. And he saw what James Dean did, and he said, that's what I want to do. Nice. And so that's what drew drove him into getting into acting. That makes so much sense, actually, now. If you mm-hmm. look, look at his hairstyle, if you look at some of the intense moments that he performs, it is very like he's trying to channel James Dean. A little bit. And yeah. you know what? I think that, speaking of James Dean and how he wanted to do what James Dean did, I think his career would have been a lot better if he died in a car crash. Oh, my God. Mark Coppola is his brother, and he's actually a radio personality he goes by Mark the Cope Coppola. Oh. Mark the Cope. Oh. And Christopher we Coppola. Welcome back. I'm Mark the Cope Coppola. <laughs> and he just walks around with this giant cloak that's got those little metal clasps on the side. Right. That's... Cape Coppola. Well, no, that's what a cope is. A cope is uh, is the cape with a giant... Oh. Yeah. Fine, nerd. I'm Mark Coppola. I've got Nicolas Cage here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nicolas Cage. <laughs> and we're going to prank call one of our family members who's got dementia. It should be pretty messed up. Let's go! Oh, my fun fact, he changed his name to Nicolas Cage after the hero, Luke Cage. Luke Cage, yeah, yes, because indeed. we all know that Nicolas Cage is a huge fucking comic book fan. Oh, His second yes. son is named Kal-El. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Well... I mean, when we get to that part of the career, yeah. I can you can dive yeah, into I that. I can dive into that. I will so, happily dive into that. I mean, he that. so he started off fairly strong, but yeah. kind of a little innocuous, doing uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Hi. Valley Girl, things like that. And that's where he made friends with Sean Penn too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and actually, I think the first time I noticed him, well, like or his earliest movie that I know for sure that I've seen is um, Peggy Sue Got Married. I love right. Peggy Sue Got Me Married. Me too, and it's he's so great in that movie. Yeah, he was. Although apparently he was because um, that who. Was that a? That's a Francis Ford Coppola movie. So, um, mm-hmm. so Coppola was directing him, and uh, was actually getting really pissed off Kathleen because um, Nicolas Cage kept mm-hmm. doing like this like falsetto-y type voice that he insisted <laughs> on using, and it was driving the director bonkers. Oh my god! I can only so imagine. So he almost got fired though. from it. It's like by his own uncle. By his own uncle. He did so, have a really high pitched, awkward voice in that movie. I do he did. remember. Like he did. But it worked for the mm. character. Yeah, like he was supposed to be kind of not awesome. Nope. Um, and then 1987 cult classic, Raising Arizona. Oh, totally. Yeah, Coen Brothers. Yeah. Uh, Holly Hunter is in it too, mm-hmm. and they <laughs> they play off each other so well. So, in that but movie. you guys, one of my all time favorite movies following that. Uh-huh. Moonstruck with Cher. Moonstruck. Well, mm-hmm. so this is this is where we're really seeing like the first like upward climb yeah. for for Nicolas Cage. Sure. Um, he never really mm-hmm. intended on doing rom coms and and things like Being like romantically. Romant- no. He never really want that was never really his drive. Mm-hmm. So doing Moonstruck for him wasn't wasn't for sure what he wanted to do, which is why. He was able to follow up by doing Wild at Heart, ah. the the David Lynch movie. <gasps> That's right. When Laura Dern. Oh shit! Tell me more yeah. about that. I so I haven't I haven't seen it. I've just I've seen clips of it. Oh yeah. Um, but it's basically like Nicolas Cage and Laura Dern are kind of like in this crazy. It's another romance, but it's like really freaking crazy. Like because it's a David Lynch the, movie. Oh, and, yeah, I know. In the first <laughs> scene, like Nicolas Cage has a knife pulled on him and he just beats the shit out of this guy on the stairs and like kills him. Oh my god. While Laura Dern's just screaming her head off. And then like later on in the movie they're like at a punk club. Oh and it's like totally god. crazy. So 
this cast list? It's got Willem Dafoe, Crispin uh-huh. Glover, freaking Diane Ladd, Isabella Why Mussolini. did you put so much emphasis on Crispin Glover as because like he was the best? Crispin Glover is just ridiculous. He is so. a ridiculous character. But then again. Yeah, I know. He's like done like five movies though. But this is but why he's I find. he's been ridiculous in all of them. This is why I find this particular movie really interesting to me is because how perfect of a pairing uh-huh. is Lynch and Nicolas Cage. Like, I just feel kind like... Of iconic. Like, I just feel like David Lynch really enjoys actors that can go over the top. Mm. And yeah. obviously Nicolas Cage can go over the top. And he'll push Someone's trying to kill too. me, man! <laughs> <laughs> well, I, just, I think that, yeah, David Lynch pushes actors over the edge. Yeah. Because yeah. if you look at John Hurt in Elephant Man, that his famous line... That I am not an animal, I'm a human being is a very yeah. overplayed moment. Yeah. But it works in that context, you know. Or go um, over the top as the entire series of Twin Peaks. Oh so <laughs> Oh sure, yeah. Because that movie is or that sorry, that T V show mm-hmm. is very, very Blue Velvet yeah. anybody. Yeah. I know, right? Exactly. Um, That's another episode. Yes, so, it is. I've wanted to do a David Lynch episode forever. Right. We'll do one. We'll so do in one. the early nineties, Nicolas Cage did all of these like you said, all these romantic comedies like Honeymoon in Vegas, mm-hmm. and It Can Happen to We're You. We're the Flying Elvis's Utah chapter. Right. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, It Can Happen to You with Bridget Fonda and Rosie Perez. Yeah. And- hey, that's a goddamn classic. That is mm-hmm. a, you know what? That is a classic. It is. Let's give it credit where it's uh, and then due. Kind of like 90, 1995 rolls around. 95 was the Lee. pinnacle, yeah. I think, of his acting for me personally. Which is Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah. Because this wow. gets all the best parts of Nicolas Cage's crazy yeah, right. mixed in with this inner pain, this inner turmoil. Oh, my God. And I think, I think he just, I, he knocked it out of the park for me in, that, in guys, this movie. we missed a really big one back in 1989. What? Vampire's Kiss. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Kill me. <laughs> okay, that's oh, true. Oh, wait, back to Leaving Las Vegas. That was uh-huh. an iconic movie for me because mm-hmm. um, I watched it, like, right when it came out on video. Uh-huh. And Dark. I was like, hey, Mom, um, Jennifer from Back to the Futures 2 and 3 just said the words, come on my face. What's that mean? <laughs> What's She's that like, mean? Uh, let's change the channel. She she just got naked and poured booze all over herself. <laughs> Confused yep. about my sexuality. Is this this is I is this not adventures in babysitting? We need to get a babysitter like this. <laughs> well, and this That's changed awesome. her career too. Like, didn't it though? Like, yeah, for, <laughs> it reinvigorated it actually. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Um, but, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, he was doing some. He was doing some weird, weird stinkers in there too. He with won like the Oscar Vampire's for Kiss. Yeah, but Vegas. I'm saying Vampire's Kiss. Though, yes, in fact, he had. Yeah, everyone had thought that that year, that Tom Hanks would have been like the first guy to win the Academy Award three years in a row yeah. for Best Actor. I, I remember it was funny too because that year Tom Hanks hosted uh, Saturday Night Live, and he had his monologue was the acceptance speech that he would have. I use air quotes. Oh. Uh, and it's funny, and he ends it with Nicholas Cage. This should have gone to you. <laughs> That's funny <laughs> for, what it, for what it would have been. That's really sad. Yes, yeah. but as far as it goes, we're talking about like in the mid '90s is yes. the Cage song. This is so. This yes. is the Cage. I think songs. really what like, what Leaving Las Vegas did was it made Nicholas Cage a household name. Awesome, it's true. And so, it's funny though that this art house picture that he did that won him the Academy Award. They're like, you know what we should do is put this guy in a shitload of high-profile action movies yeah, that don't I mean, showcase his acting talent You got The all. Rock, well, Con Air, Face Off, okay, three in a row, dude. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say this. 
Fucking Face Off is a great movie. <laughs> face Off is fucking dope. It's such. I a watch good that movie. shit at least every three months. That whole just scene of him as a priest <sighs> coming, grabbing when he just asses. Like, stops and he starts like whirling his head around. And it's like, oh my god! Yeah. He starts headbanging at one point. He puts his hands yeah, on his yeah. knees and he's like, "It's like you know what they say: if eyes are the windows to the souls, he opened those puppies wide open." Yeah, like, yeah. It's just like that one. I think that's one of the most cagiest of the Nicolas Cage move like performances of being like crazy over the top amongst all the cage freakouts to being like kind of too much but then he's also able to pull it back when he's got to be like the John Travolta character you know Um, when they actually switch faces I want to see them getting together and and, like they're like all right, Cage is going to do all this and you just study him and then copy it and Travolta's just like Jesus fucking Christ I don't know if I can match that energy and but but I thought Travolta did a good job. That's another podcast. I'm going to have to That's disagree true. with you guys. That movie was fun when I was 12, but that movie is a shit fest today. I mean, Brian, you it should is... put three dicks in your mouth and then die. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, what I, listen to what I'm saying, though. Yeah. I'm not saying it is it's the a... most. It is the most Nicolas Cage of his roles. I will not argue with that. What I'm saying is it's. I'm not saying it's like a great piece of cinema it's not even a good movie i'm i think it is a fun fucking movie i think it's entertaining as shit (laughs) and that is exactly what i would expect or want from a movie like that i mean at that point it's a freaking nicholas cage movie nicholas cage being a household name he's an entertainer i mean to be fair it's a movie about where people literally change faces and that's yes the ridiculousness in that alone is is yeah i mean it's like i i you go into that movie the way you the same thing that like when you're going into like crank or something like that you're just expecting movies are there with ridiculous premises but they're fun like sarah said you're just there it's popcorn movie yeah that for sure is a really good Mm -hmm. popcorn movie yeah so I guess I was just hoping it to age better because you, when you look at the lineup and you look at who directed it, this is a John Woo action movie. So mm. like I, I don't know. That's just me. But, sure, sure. I can understand. I just I felt like there were moments where again you're right. Nicolas Cage is just like disgustingly over the top, mm-hmm. and moments where John Travolta is disgustingly over the top. And these are men who did yeah. Pulp Fiction and did Ooh, Leaving Las wee, Vegas. You look good. <laughs> did you hot? Yeah, did some really really fine acting, and for me, and, and I get it. Every actor loves just to be a ham yeah. at one point and just not care about creating a believable performance and just wait. Like, I'm channeling Eric, especially John Ham. <laughs> <laughs> By John Ham, yeah. John Ham's John yeah. Ham. Um, but so this is so this is where I think also like in The Rock, he was not. I don't think he was that over over the top. Oh in the rock. come on! Like, when he's I don't like, a hole. What's he saying? A hole. Okay, no, he's always gonna have a freak out. He's always gonna have like a moment where he's over the top. But yeah. it's like one thing when he has those moments where he hits like a full ten, mm-hmm. and then we'll go back down to like being at like a six. Yeah, you know? he did that, that a lot in Moonstruck, if I can recall. Yeah. like you, you know the freak out about his hand, and then for pretty much the rest of the movie, he's yeah, like he's this, always like, gonna he's always out, gonna, like it's not know. like face off where for face off most of the time he's at a full ten. Yeah, you yeah. know and. But and it's funny as you look at Con Air and you're like, this movie is so over. Everybody's over the top, especially John Malkovich. Everything uh-huh. and everyone's over the top. And Nicolas Cage is just like, put the bunny down. That's like his <laughs> most intense. In it's like he's just very quiet, soft-spoken army yeah. ranger. Why is he so on and off though? See, why, I, why do we love him for that? So it's really interesting because I think. One, I've, you know, in research for this, I've been reading a lot of interviews and, and stuff with him. And I think he doesn't, I think, so Sean Penn 
called him, said he's not an actor, he's a performer. Mm. And I think there was a more recent interview where Nicholas Cage was like, I'm actually okay with that. I know he's supposed to be insulting me, but I'm actually okay with that because I think if you're an actor, you're actually more about lying. And he's like, I just want to give a performance that's going to be entertaining that kind of seeks to some other truth. And so I think I think by going over the top, it's maybe trying to I think trying to hit extremes. Yeah. Which is why he bounces back and forth between the two and why there's not really much of an in-between for him. Right. Is I think he's constantly operating at extremes. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's his particular brand of art. Whether you like that or not. <laughs> like Roxy it seems you have like a, he's excising some serious demons. I know you honest. have a yeah. you have a very pained look on your face. I think actually I don't think he has that much in the way of demons. I think he's just I think he's very energetic. He's yeah, very there, he's very yeah. enthusiastic. He's yeah. like that kid in fifth grade yeah. that you know wasn't quite diagnosed well, ADHD. In and time like reading and just, his you know. reading his interviews and reading his quotes, I mean he yeah. he sounds like he sounds like that kid you went to college with that did a lot of speed. You know, he kind of <laughs> sounds like that guy who's like he is pretty. He's ADHD. got like he's got like crazy ideas and all this other yeah. stuff, and you're like kind of entertained by him, and you're just like I don't know why yeah. we keep this guy around, but I'm glad we do. <laughs> I, mean, I am glad you brought that up. Because, I mean, you're talking about the late 90s at uh-huh. this point, jumping around a little bit, but fresh off of his uh, his Oscar win is when he signed to do, play Superman. Oh, and Superman shit, lives. Really? Yeah, because remember, he won the Oscar in 1996, mm-hmm. right? And that's when they were in pre-production for what would eventually have been 1998 release for the movie. Um, for which one? For Superman Lives. This never got. This is, and this goes down in Hollywood history as one of the, like the biggest budget movies that never got made. Really? Because they had spent over a hundred million dollars on the film, and they had never shot a single frame of footage. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Who was the director? Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Tim. No yeah. And they. It, so there's a great documentary out there, "The Death of Superman Lives." What happened? It just got it's released. Amazing. It's amazing. And because and it's so amazing because they had no. had the script ready to go. Mm-hmm. They had built sets. They had built costumes. There's a uh, great moment in that documentary mm-hmm. where, like, you see an early rendering of him in the Superman costume. And it's, like, it's one of the fitting tests they were doing. Because nice. they did several. Very think... first fitting test. The Very S on the fitting. front is garbage. I think I saw the, the suit picture, is garbage. Yeah. And they actually have a moment in the movie where you see them filming him taking the photos. And you see a flash go, like, right as he's blinking. Yeah. <laughs> so... Now that was now that was one of the flashes for the professional so sad. for one of the professional photos. There was also someone to the side with a Polaroid mm-hmm. that was doing it who caught him at the wrong moment, and that's why he has this little stoned look on his face. But they also in this film you see all of the progression of the costume, and the final costume is it's very dope. true to Superman, and it would it actually he looked really good in the costume. This never happened. This never happened. No, and it was going to be epic. Kevin Smith actually wrote one of the drafts, the early draft of it. Him. Yeah. What? And all the other later drafts were based off of his draft. So you know Kevin Smith being a huge comic book This geek. is like a culmination of all the great things of the 90s. Right. Yeah. I find it really interesting that this is a Tim Burton movie because it's like with Michael Keaton not being classically handsome right and nicholas cage definitely yeah. not being classically handsome yeah but then these are characters that like bruce wayne clark kent you right. kind of expect them to be and the like funny henry thing, cavill handsome. Uh, yeah or a little carrie grantish yeah and it's very interesting you bring that up because mm-hmm. like there's a couple of points that like everyone was expecting tim burton to do a very dark version of superman and he's like i actually wanted to push him he actually wanted to push himself and see if he could do something lighter 
And when you see the costume tests of him in the early capes for Superman and the early Clark Kent outfits, because you actually get to see what he would have done as Clark Kent. Really? He didn't want to do the Henry Cavill Clark Kent work, because now Henry Cavill's low-profile Clark Kent is a sex symbol now. Everyone likes the oh, guy yes, he is. who can put on, who can pull off a flannel shirt and a, and a necktie. I mean, he who wanted, doesn't? He, mm-hmm. wanted, he really wanted to put on like a nerdy like Star Wars shirt. A pair of, he looked, a pair yeah, of he blazers. He kind of looked like a late 80s and, nerd, like total right. nerd. Like he never got out of the late 80s. Right. Oh like goodness. he had clothes that didn't quite match and. Or fit well. Or fit well and glasses. And so he, and very big like glasses to the point where like you really did never, would have never suspected this guy Superman. That was wow. his process behind mm-hmm. it. And hearing him talk about that with the fitting with Tim Burton was like, huh. Because everyone looks at Nicolas Cage now and everyone looks at that meme of, you don't say, where he's got the whole caster toy face from Face Off. But, like, I watched that movie and I feel like, man, I really wish we had seen this. It would have been really interesting. It would have been. And it turns out because of a Warner Brothers that had a string of unsuccessful movies, including Wild Wild West, uh, came out after this, and a bunch of other movies that had just completely failed at the box office. Warner Brothers got really nervous because the budget for Superman Lives back in 1998 mm-hmm. would have been over $200 million. Jeez. So they were just like, uh, and everyone's like, we'll, we'll pull the plug. Look, we can we can lower the budget. We can t- tighten the script. And they're like, no, sorry. And they pulled the plug like a month before they were ready to start mm-hmm. shooting. Whoa. And like this would have totally changed. And I, I only bring it up because I know I'm going on a tangent here. But I only bring it up because maybe this is the beginning of the decline in a very subliminal way. But like that movie he got it because of his box office viability mm-hmm. as a character, uh, as an actor, and it may have turned the tide. It may have been like, holy shit, a guy we never thought could play Superman, could he play Superman? It would have been the fulfillment of a lifelong dream of his to play his favorite comic book character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did kind of take a downward, downward, downward spiral, not spiral, but downward turn toward more independent films. Sure. And more, I want to say, intimate like you talk about, like City of Angels. Oh, in I love City of Angels. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah, up. it's, it's, it's a really good. I was gonna, touching film. Yeah, I was gonna get into that too. It's it is a really touching film, and again, this is one where he's more internalized and mm-hmm. he's a little bit more low level, if not maybe half asleep. The bear goes yeah. into hibernation. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, his whole performance in that movie is very, very muted. Yeah, like, he doesn't really have one of those big. Like I think maybe the moment where he becomes human. Yes. Finally, like he has a little bit of it, but even that that's nowhere near like volume right. ten that yeah. you're used well, to seeing. Well and it's it because there's supposed to be a certain level of serenity to being an angel, right? Right. That's true. So But then he has a shit ton of fun in Gone in Sixty Seconds. And oh, yeah. Whoa, what just happened? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, he gets all sort of excited again. Right. And then he gets to play the O C D character, or at least like I shouldn't say O C D, but the well, the nervous guy in Matchstick Men. Yeah, well. so but so but we're skipping over a yeah. few here because um, same year that Gone in 60 Seconds comes out, Family Man comes out, and that's a little... Mm. People weren't really crazy about that one. Um, I liked that. Is that the Robin Hood one? <laughs> that's the... that's the It's a Wonderful Life one where, like... Oh, no, that's the Weatherman. That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On a bow and arrow. Yeah. That's Wind Talkers was... Uh, What's Captain Corelli's mandolin? That one was also not very well received. That one... Well, I've never heard uh, Also, of I think, was it... Was Penelope Cruz in that, too? Uh, yes, yeah, and that is probably the worst accent that as anybody has ever attempted <laughs> yeah, yeah. in any saying, movie uh, ever. I think besides, was, yeah. I don't know, Sean Connery's Russian accent in <laughs> Run for Red and Rounders, pay the man his mammy. Right. Uh, but then <laughs> he has another giant moment, and he does adaptation oh. in right. 2002. 
And he got nominated for an Oscar for that performance as well. And he, I mean, that movie also won Best Screenplay that year. I believe it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it's too. it was Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper won that uh, year too. Judy, Judy Greer was in that movie before she was Judy Greer. Nice. Before anybody knew who she was. Dude, God bless Judy Greer. I man. love her. She's the hardest working woman in showbiz. Yeah. She really Judy is. Greer's in Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's awesome. In, she's Ant-Man. awesome in she's it in too. She's freaking everything right now. It yeah. sticks with you. Dude, Tilda Swinton in this one too. Yeah, Tilda Swinton plays uh plays like a love interest. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, and and Nicholas Cage is playing two people. He's playing Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman, Charlie's brother, right. twin brother. Who um, doesn't actually exist. Right. So I wonder Spoilers. if the quality of this movie, like if it if it was just like the fact that it's an ensemble piece and Nicolas Cage's performance was possibly just really like uh, complimented by the like the level of everybody else right. in the. I mean, you have freaking Meryl Streep. Well, he film, wasn't, but know. he wasn't working in the same scenes as Meryl Streep. So okay. because it's a really two stories, oh, right? Because yeah. it's the movie is actually an adaptation of the Orchid Thief, but it's also about writing the adaptation. Right. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, Charlie Kaufman went meta with it, so he actually wrote about himself writing the the, the adaptation and having because he had a hard time adapting it, mm-hmm. and he's not a work screenwriter. The character is, and then uh, I yeah. need to check this out. Yeah. I just I wonder if like at at what point did Nicolas Cage kind of recognize that he was starting to lose steam with audiences? I you know I don't I don't know. I think I know. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm going to guess it was Ghostwriter 2. It's <laughs> when he's like, okay. Uh, I, I would have said Ghostwriter 1, but that's just me. Well, <laughs> so, I mean, he and then he did Matchstick Men, and that was honestly a really good movie. I really liked Matchstick uh, Men. Him, Sam Rockwell, yeah. like, they just. The I relationship loved it. with his daughter in there? Yeah. Like, uh, was was good... that Tony Scott who did that movie? Or was it Ridley Scott who did that movie? That is Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeah, the one who played the daughter, Alison Lohman, yeah. she was in um, White Oleander, which She's is great. Great. Mm-hmm. She was really, really talented. I would actress. say that their relationship was kind of the mainstay for me in that film that really drew, like, drew yeah. me into the story. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about really, if anything, I think he knows how to compliment his mm-hmm. co stars really well. Oh, absolutely. Um, he's a really good, like, leading man in that regard that he doesn't, like, steal the spotlight completely. No, he's, you know? uh, it's something that a lot of actors have trouble with, that they're really, you got to be a really good listener mm-hmm. and be reacting and rather than chewing going over scenery. in your head. Yeah. Like, no, necess- not necessarily chewing the scenery, but going through in your head how you wanted to, how you would want to hear it based on how you read it. And how you're going to do it is just saying it how you've made up in your mind you're going to say it rather than listening to people and then reacting right. to them. Yeah. Michael Douglas talks about it. You turn the acting off when the camera is off of you. And most film actors don't like that. Mm-hmm. At least most really good film actors don't like that. And yeah, Nicolas Cage, I think, is not one of those kind of actors. He's yeah. completely engaged. I, and I think, he draws, I think he draws something else out of the people that he works with. And then National Treasure, which is one of, I think, one of his... Last really successful box office hits. Yeah. Because say what you will about National Treasure being a good movie. It is an entertaining movie. It's definitely a popcorn. It's definitely, you know, it was intending to be along the same vein as Indiana Jones. Um, 
just not as great. It's what you think of when you think of Nicolas Cage in the 2000s. I oh, mean, yeah. It's just yeah. like his biggest draw besides mm-hmm. the freaking Wicker Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, God. Well, and yeah, and they did Weatherman, Lord of Wars in there. Right. Lord of uh, War is actually really good. I enjoy yeah. that. Lord of War is, War is very good. One of his more critically acclaimed, acclaimed ones. I really yeah, I mean, he that. still does great work. Um, I think he does much better work in smaller projects. That's mm-hmm, where he mm-hmm. we, we've kind of started to so see. So, would you qualify then that the early 2000s was kind of his, he had a pretty good stride it was good but it wasn't as great so no. i think what we're doing is we're finding a, a decline here kind, kind of starting yeah. to lull a little bit yeah right okay. um okay because wicker man happens in 2006 and and this is <laughs> let's just talk about wicker man real quick let's i saw that shit in theaters dude no shame Which, by the way it's a remake <laughs> it is a remake sure. yeah um now this is really interesting because this is one of those movies that falls i think alongside like the room and uh, along with like <laughs> Meme. But if the room was made by M Night yeah. Shyamalan, yeah, right. But like, like meme status type movie, like wow. you know, the bees and all this other stuff, right? I feel like punches it's... women in the face. Exactly. I if I, if they if they market it that way, if they marketed it, they're like this summer. Nicholas Cage throws haymakers at old women and then just had smash cuts of that. I would have been like, they would probably have made millions like, of dollars. Yeah, please. And you know what I think is kind of ironic is that the director and the screenwriter were the same person. It's Neil yeah. Labute, and Neil yeah. Labute is a renowned playwright. Yeah, and his stuff is pretty well received. And I just remember thinking, like, this screenplay is horribly confusing and weird. And Sarah, continue my thought, please. So the interesting thing about this is, uh-huh. again, reading an interview with Nicholas Cage. And he just goes, the funny part is, is that nobody realizes that the director and I were all in the joke. We were all in on the joke. What? He's like, I was running around in a bear costume, for God's sakes. <laughs> like, that. the thing He's is, like... and this is what I, I find very interesting about this particular it's performance ridiculous. then. Because he knows that this is a ridiculous movie. Oh, he God. knows that it's a ridiculous screenplay and a ridiculous concept and all this. He knows it's ridiculous. But Nicolas Cage does what Nicolas Cage always does, and that's play everything earnestly. He fucking commits. <laughs> he commits to it. And even, and he knows that, like, it's, he's like, it's just really kind of the way it plays out with people on the internet thinking, like, oh, God, just like this weird, crazy, terrible movie. And he's like, yeah, it's a weird, crazy, terrible movie. So, <laughs> so has Nick Cage basically been trolling us this whole time? I think with, I Possibly. think, I think with Wicker Man. Wow. Specifically, I think he was trolling, but he doesn't understand yeah. the concept of trolling. It because... was more Andy Kaufman. Yeah, like, yeah, he does because he. Well, Andy Kaufman was a troll before it was called trolling, right? That's true. And Nicolas Cage doesn't really spend that much time on the internet. It's not his thing. No, um, but he the just, concept of trolling. He's, yeah, he's getting these. How snippets could you go somewhere people... where there's so much overwhelming hate for you? That would be like, you know what? I, I being a proud black person, I think I'm going to go hang out at a KKK rally in Alabama all day, I'm every not day. Sure. I'm not actually with sure that it's... With the tuba. That was the greatest that video ever. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure that all of it's hate. Mm. I think some of it's like... It's endearing. I think some of it's, it's like, oh my God, let's watch Nicolas Cage be over the top again because it's funny, you yeah. know? And I don't think it's like... I don't think everything's shitting on him. Yeah. I think a lot of people will absolutely shit on his movie choices now. Unfortunately, I think it's gone from it being like adorably, you know, dumb well, to yeah. just being genuinely bad. I like, mean, a couple of things happened, right? I mean, we have to talk mm-hmm. about the elephant in the room, which is that in 2008... I mean, the whole, we all know what happened to the economy in 2008, so there's no elephant yeah. there, but he, 
along with a couple other people in Hollywood, had some financial uh, stuff tied up. And him, yeah. unfortunately, it was tied up in real estate. Yeah. Because he trusted real estate. He thought that that was going to be fine. But, I mean, we're talking... He listened to Lex Luthor too much. <laughs> Land, it's the one thing they're not making any more of. Right. <laughs> I think it's... Uh, I mean, this guy was buying castles and islands all over the place. Yeah. All over the place. And I, this is actually... So, he's... At this point, he was already divorced from Patricia Arquette because mm-hmm. he was with her for a long time. And yes. he was with Priscilla Presley. Then he was with Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, Priscilla. Yeah. <laughs> Priscilla. So much as he was with Priscilla Presley. For like Presley. a year or not even no, a month. They, no, it was 108 days. The divorce proceedings were two years. <laughs> the divorce proceedings yeah. lasted longer than the marriage did. That, that was a wild yeah. funny. She accused him of like getting with her own purely because of her father. Because yeah, of his and, obsession and with it was no joke that like yes, Nicholas Cage is a huge Elvis Presley fan, but he he chalks it up to we had a lot of laughs, we really enjoyed each other, we were just having a good time. Um mm. he doesn't chalk it up to, you know, collecting mm-hmm. You know, half yeah. of Graceland, yeah, yeah, or like collecting Elvis's so like an Elvis had a piece of, of Elvis memorabilia, right? Uh-huh. So you she, know? he could put her in yeah. his museum. So he'd had a couple of expensive divorces, and I think he was in the middle of his third marriage at this point. He still is in his. Third He's still in his third marriage. Um, I no, I think the. Mm, why do I feel like they got married later? No, I guess he was. Yeah, I guess he was married to her. Yeah. Um. Oh God, what's her name? Uh, Alice Kim. Yeah, thank you. And she, uh, it's with her that he has Kal-El, his youngest son. Mm -hmm. Um, It was with, it wasn't with Patricia Arquette that he had Weston, right? I want to say... I think it might have been. Might have been. It's like, yeah. either way, his older son, you're talking yeah. about Weston, yeah. is like, he's like in a death metal band, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's a to... full-grown adult now. Yeah, he does his own thing. Uh, and he's the reason why Superman has red underwear on the costume, because oh, they originally didn't want to put those on, uh-huh. by the funnel effect. Um, but, uh, I mean, then, because of that, I mean, because he had put himself in a really tough financial spot, yes, he did scale down his finances a little bit more, but he had to just, just kind of start, like... He had oh. he had to take a couple of shit movies just to help pay the bills a little bit, too. And that, I mean, I think that would explain oh. season of the witch. That's well, <laughs> oh, that's wow. that's yeah. the. I mean, that's the. That's what the people. That's most what people, the people say. Yeah, that's yeah. what most people say. So he doesn't. He won't say that. Uh, but most people will say that. What's the wizardy one that he's in? Oh, is the Sorcerer's Apprentice. The Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Yeah. Season of yeah. the Witch is also another wizardy one. Yeah. Yeah. So Sorcerer's Apprentice was in 2010. Season Ugh. of the Witch was in 2011. Uh, he did Kick-Ass the same year that he did Sorcerer's Apprentice. I though. liked him in Kick-Ass. He was good. In yeah, Kick-Ass. He was kick- yeah. And some people actually enjoy his performance in Sorcerer's Apprentice too. Just yeah. the movie was not that great. Uh, yeah. He was in G-Force. <gasps> G-Force. In 2009. He was in G-Force. He was. He did a voice in G-Force. Isn't that the one wow. with the the hamsters? Guinea pigs. Gerbils. Oh, the ger- gerbils. Or I mean, what kind of rodents are we talking about yeah. here? That's right. Um, well, it's not Age Force, Roxy. It's G Force. Okay. Yeah. Gerbils. Uh, <laughs> Bad Lieutenant. Nah. That's Bad good. Lieutenant 2, Port of Call. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was. Uh, it's not well, awesome. Astro Boy, I, I think. You know, he's got a nasty voice with, acting. He's good with voice acting. Yeah, because that's I like really the fine. Croods. I really yeah. did. Um, that he did Drive Angry. <laughs> <laughs> he, okay, look, Nick, you did the car movie once. Yeah, it was don't good do once. It again. Yeah, let it go. And then, of course, you did two Ghost Rider movies in that. Pro- 
around there too. Yeah. So we're entering into an era where he is just knocking movies yeah. out so left he did, and right. Yeah, he did Ghost Rider right after he did Wicker Man in wow, 2007. He just doesn't rest. And actually, honestly, I think go- I think people expected Ghost Rider to be a lot better than it was. Mm. Um, and then he did Ghost Rider two because he didn't learn his lesson. In- <laughs> 2011. Yeah, he did. But I think he was trying to redeem himself. He's like, guys, I can make it work. Yeah. And it didn't quite... Uh, I like how the promotional stuff for the movie Rage was just like, it just said Cade Rage yeah. <laughs> on the movie poster. Yeah. And that's all you see. It's just like, I, well, So I will full on admit this. I haven't... Uh, well, so I'm like looking at the actual timeline of this. Yeah. Um, aside from, aside from Kick-Ass... Um, I don't think I've actually seen a modern Nick Cage movie since Knowing, really? which I saw in the theaters in Whoa. 2009. Well, let me give you a recommendation then. Yeah. Because that movie I talked about earlier on, Frozen, Frozen Brown, Brown, is on Netflix. Uh-huh. That's the one with John Cusack, right? It is. Uh-huh. And it's about, it tells the true story of an Alaska state trooper who's on a hunt for a serial killer. <gasps> Ooh, you John Cusack a plays killer. Yeah. the serial killer. Yeah. Um, Who is this? What? This is guy Robert Hansen. He oh. viciously he captured, raped, oh. and murdered twenty women. Yeah, Ooh. Roxy. Roxy loves serial killers. And I have his, to. And his I have MO, to get my hands on his, this. His <laughs> mo is that his the final ritual for killing him uh-huh. is he flies them out in the the Alaskan wilderness, wilderness, sets them free from their from their you know because he keeps them chained up or uh, <gasps> held, uh, handcuffed up, lets them run away. And then he fucking hunts them. He, like, he fucking shoots them with a hunting rifle. And was Nicolas Cage doing this whole time? He's trying to find him. Oh my god, it's a chase. I love it. I have to see this. It's also got Vanessa Hudgens in it, who oh. also she does a really great job. She plays one of the victims, yeah. Yeah, really? she plays one of the victims who survived. Wow. And helps him she try to find him. Does she bust out those Disney titties? I was going to say. <laughs> she bust She's out all songs. about showing the girls off. I'm just saying, there is plenty of titties in this movie. Talk if that's what you're in for. I don't think you see hers, though. I don't recall seeing hers. Wow. Okay. She's going to do Blow, though. Sean, what was the you. last Nick Cage movie you watched? The last Nick Cage, you mean, and by that you mean the last one, like the most recent release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, In Thieves, it's been. Which came out first, Lord of War or Ghost Rider Two? Ghost Rider Two came out in 2011. Ghost Rider Two, which I saw after it came out, I saw it on like video on demand or something. Huh. And yeah. how was it? How was it? <laughs> like I don't understand why the first. I mean, but was the first movie successful? I mean, because they don't make sequels no. of movies that are not successful. Meh. So the first one had to have made some money, even though critically and f- like from audience opinion was garbage. But then Ooh. the second one, I was like, why? I was like, you shouldn't be doing the second one. If you're going to do anything, do like a fucking reboot. With, yeah. If you want to still do it, that's fine. But you got to. <laughs> there were so many issues with that movie. Well, this I mean, is also around the time that people are starting to realize, oh, we should do more straight from comic to screen stuff. And this was when they were still holding on to let's make it totally different and do our own thing. Well, I mean, I'm just going to say one thing real quick. Mark Stephen Johnson did the first Ghost Rider, who also did the, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. There, first off, two things that he needs to learn: one, subtlety, um, because <laughs> subtlety. because it, nothing is subtle with him. It's all just very like super fucking flashy. Two, don't fucking release a superhero movie in February. Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to tell Mark <laughs> Steven Johnson all of these things, he will be working the drive through at In-N-Out Burger. I mean, I feel like... I, okay. If anybody from Hollywood is listening to us, first of all, sorry. Second Bueller. of all... Bueller. Sorry. We actually like you a little bit. We yeah, yeah. We're not I, anti-Hollywood. Yeah. Second of all, 
if you're going to hire, if you just feel compelled to hire any of us, you should just hire Brian to determine when movies are released into theaters. Yes. <laughs> because he is clearly the expert. <laughs> I think we should do an episode on late August releases. Like, <laughs> just, like, oh my God, that'd be I was really so worried about funny. Ant-Man. That'd because be awesome. I was really worried about Ant-Man because it was getting to late July. I'm like, guys. <laughs> you're like, don't make this a bad. <laughs> guys, don't do not do what I think you're going to do. Don't let me do Oh my it God. I, actually, that would be a really funny episode to put it to to look at look at movies that were coming out in late august for like the past 10 years and like and yeah trend them out like Mm -hmm. brian your job for the next couple months until we do our next podcast you need to be working on some flow charts yes buddy i'm just saying (laughs) when you you compare it to what has been front-loaded in may through july it makes complete sense i love sean's look sean had just a look a moment ago just like fuck all of you (laughs) okay no i'm totally down i'm just running through like listening to brian <laughs> for that long in my head about like things that he knows about deet and it's like oh <laughs> so, I mean our listeners will probably really enjoy oh, it yeah but Why I'm gonna not? check out at some point after eating like 12 of those Disneyland gummy bears <laughs> <laughs> wow. so, so like Sean it's like Brian your what? hand just reached through the screen <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think what I like while while we wrap this <laughs> That's up, a spicy guacamole. <laughs> while we wrap this up, Steve let's Brule. let's just kind of give what our overall take is on Nicolas Cage as a human, <laughs> as, as, as a his human. career. As a legend, Do we give him validation as, as a human? Yeah, like I, I want to know what is just your general impression of him? Is he, I'll go first. Yeah, my general impression is this: coming into his acting career. I think that the eccentricities that he had were endearing and brought a whole lot to the different characters that he played. And then once you get to the point where he wins an Oscar and then you throw a whole shitload of money and power into the equation, it starts to turn some of those eccentricities against him. They start to turn inward. And so you get a guy who is probably still a really fun guy and he's super cool and really weird. But then those eccentricities kind of like started to knock down all of the trusses from the inside out. And he now is probably, I'm assuming now that he's trying to regroup and he's trying to lay low and he's going to be like, I need to find and pick my things way more carefully to kind of come back. I mean, because honestly, he's not that old. We've seen so many other actors come back at his age and be like, oh, he's relevant again. Mm -hmm. So, um Acting wise, I th- I honestly think that he, he hasn't really changed much. It's just his choices and his approach has changed slightly. But like as an actor, he pretty much has the same like um, you know the same group of characters that he's got inside of him that he doles out to each. Yeah, role. he has I archetypes agree. that he pulls from. I mean, I think as a human being, he, I'm I, I, he's a okay with me like most human beings. I don't, oh yeah, like Most I'm not saying. Like, I'm just. I was like, talking about him as a human being relating to his career. Yeah, I was like, gonna say because I thought Sarah was like, "Well, Michael was awful. Let's just fucking take yeah. him out back with a rifle." <laughs> um, you know that I do not feel that way about any actor, even the actor whose performances I hate the most, Kevin Costner. Aww. I do not hate him as an individual. I'm sure yeah. he's fine as a human, as a person. <laughs> he's just. I'd never want to see him on screen ever again. There you go. As okay. Superman's dad, he's kind of a dick, though. I fucking um, don't hate you him. In ever show anybody your powers. You let those kids fucking die in the bus. And guess what? You let me die, too. I'm taking a tornado ride, and you stand over there, and you watch. And you're going to be damaged forever. Yeah, true. These are all true things. Um, <laughs> but what I will true. say is that I think I agree. That I, I appreciate that, you know what? He says, fuck it. 
I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be me. I'm going to do the things that people expect to see Step at the same time, mm-hmm. but still bring this, try to bring nuance to a character. Mm-hmm. He's what most actors would dream to be able to do. He said, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm okay being a character of myself at this yeah. point. You know, uh, what I actually think he should do, no surprise, is I think he actually he should do theater because his uh-huh. acting style would mm. blow up on stage. That's, that's yeah. brilliant. And he, I think so. I think he would. I think he would kill on stage. But you know what? I don't think he's done much stage work, and I'm not I don't think sure he's, if any he's stage got work. I don't think that he's the. He seems like the kind of guy who gets an idea for a character and then memorizes the sides day of when he's <laughs> it's, in like his trailer. Burnham. He's hey. not the kind of guy that can memorize an entire fucking play and then not fuck up. I'm just saying, hey Broadway, you know we're cool, right? So you do this, Nicholas Cage, Death of a Salesman. Ooh. Wow, gold. Theater gold. I really don't think anybody needs to see Death of a Salesman again, though. I mean, <laughs> one like the, you are one pissing flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh, ooh, oh. as but wait, not as McMurphy though. He, Why not? No, I got it. I got McMurphy. it. I got it. No, make Nick him as Cage, the make him as Lundin's. the giant uh, native dude. <laughs> native dude. <laughs> Put him on stilts. Jeez, and give him the long hair from Con Air. Um, or, no, or have him do something more contemporary. Eponine you know? falsetto. <laughs> no, I don't ever want to hear him unless he's got like some secret amazing si- singing voice. I don't ever yeah, want to see him. He's done he's done like little snippets of things. I feel like what in about his movies, raising Arizona good. too, and we'll call it Arizona Rising. There you go. So they just recently <laughs> you know as a, as a here you go, guys. They just recently did Honeymoon in Vegas uh, on Broadway. They converted it, and Tony Danza plays the um, plays the James Bond character. A first of all, two reasons why that sucks. A the movie. No, don't put that on Broadway. Two, stop giving Tony Danza work. Send him out into the desert, Judge Dread style. Judge just look like just, just send him walking him like into the desert on his final and journey and be like, goodbye, we're the boss now, have fun. <laughs> yeah, just take him out to New Mexico and bury him like you did all the copies of E.T. Um, <laughs> but I, I was to say, put Nicolas Cage, make it go full circle. Make Put him in Honeymoon in Vegas, the musical, as the older character, as the casino owner who's trying to, you know, fuck up the, the James Conn character. The can't James Conn character. Man. Roxy. I think for Nicolas Cage, he is definitely playing a caricature of himself, and he's embraced it. I think at that point, you know, in his age and his experiences, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? And in that sense, as far as he knows, he, he, he can still bank on personality alone and reputation alone. Yeah. And people can buy into that. I mean, I, I definitely look at him as a joke of his former self, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm not going to hold it against him. And, I mean, if it's insulting to his intelligence, too bad. So sad. <laughs> like, you know, here's the guy who just has kind of been ridiculous and has the most ridiculous hairline, and I'm just kind of like, Nothing can save you now he, from yourself. He's seriously, he's balding from the sideburns <laughs> it's up. Like, what's happening here? <laughs> it's weird. This is defying gravity, and I really, am, I'm confused. It's weird. So, Normally, people like, yeah. like you know, like I can understand the widow's peak, and then like the bald spot in the back, but he's going from he's, sideburns up. It's weird. I think, yeah, he will probably. I think Guinness has contacted him to. Give him the award, the Guinness World Record for the world's deepest. I'm, I'm uh, telling you, uh, right, I'm telling you right now. Five years, he's going to look like a friar. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to be like the weird short bowl cut that's almost a yarmulke. Uh, This is just the. I'm really. I'm preparing to play Saint Francis of Assisi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I figured it out. What his his acting choices and talent. 
faded as his hairline receded, and much like Samson from the too. Bible. Samson from the Bible. <laughs> as he lost his hair, he lost his power. We must we let go. it grow back, and then oh he may God. tear down the <laughs> pillars of the Temple of Hollywood. <laughs> Bible jokes. That is one hell of a way to go out with, well with a life. I love it. Well done. Well, Nick so Cage tearing saying, up the temples of Hollywood one hairline at a time. Are you saying Lisa Marie Presley was his Delilah? Was he the one oh. who, like... I mean, maybe. No, Lisa Marie Presley, unfortunately, even though we've kind of denied it earlier, was a fucking trophy. <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that. He denies Awkward. it. Other people say otherwise. I mean, talk but, about Oh, ego. by the way, yeah. can I... I ask? mean, sure, sure, I had her stand in a glass case in my room <laughs> and fed her sandwiches through a slot, but that doesn't mean she's Lest a we forget that... Many, many, many moons ago, Nicolas Cage bought Action Comics number one for about $10,000 and later sold it for $2 million. Yep. That was when he was having financial trouble. Yeah. That probably Shit, broke man. his heart to sell that shit. Probably. I just, I get such narcissistic vibes, you know? Yeah. And just, oh, the ego size. You, you um, can't help but love to hate him. I, I know. And though, though he does have that ego and stuff, and we all like to judge actors for doing that, mm-hmm. we can't say for sure that if we weren't put in the same position where you're having, you're surrounded by yes men all of a sudden after winning an Oscar and are getting millions of dollars for these movies, that we wouldn't do the exact same thing. I mean, if you were in the Coppola family, I think you'd be your Coppola family. Oh, man, family. if I was in the you'd Coppola be... family, I, w- I would be the Rob Kardashian of the Coppola family. <laughs> I'd just be like a total dick, spending all the money, and then at one point I'd be like, check this out, Coppola socks. We Coppola should sell socks. those. <laughs> if I were part of the Coppola family, I would opt to run the Coppola vineyard. Oh, my God. Of course. And, and they all, make great and wine. No, and literally all I would do all day <laughs> is sit around, drink wine, and tell people my opinions on movies. That is what I would do. Don't you already do that anyway? I mean, effect, I'm guys, I'm living the dream. Yes. How did that start? What How did life? that winery start? It's like, how can I possibly get enough wine and drink enough wine to forget that I made Godfather 3? Fuck it, I'm just going to make a winery. I think uh, on that point, we can definitely transition yeah. into feedback. Huh? Yeah. Oh. Well, well, so no, well, no. Uh, wow. It's funny. This is shocking because I was actually going to say, Sarah, what is your opinion oh. on Nicolas Cage as a human being? Yeah, normally Roxy. Oh, shit. Did her. I totally miss Sarah? Roxy fucking trolled Sarah, everybody. Oh, shit. Sarah. Oh, Norma- I'm so sorry. Roxy, normally you're on my side. I know. Oh, oh, bad, Roxy. Bad, bad, <laughs> well, bad, bad. All by herself. Oh, Sarah, I'm so, so sorry. God, we were doing so good. I guess too. since it was Roxy this time, since it was another lady, I say we just go with it and skip Sarah. Oh. <laughs> no, Sarah, you have a valid Sarah, opinion and cue, I want to hear the, it. Cue the Vince Vr- Guaraldi. <laughs> Walking with his head. Um, Please, Charlie yeah, Brown. go ahead. So, I think, yes, he has an ego, but I think Nicolas Cage has always had an ego. Yeah, right. I, I'm willing to believe that that sort of pompousness is something that he was just born with. Mm-hmm. Um, He's a Coppola. <laughs> I, Silver you know, or it could just song. be his personality. Who knows? Um, but I think, I think he's a fantastic entertainer. Mm-hmm. I yes. am almost always entertained watching him, no okay. matter what pile of crap movie he decided to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm always entertained watching him. Um, still questioning why are you in this weird sci-fi movie that was really stupid. I'm looking at you, knowing it was really stupid. 
Um, you can still trust him to. Give I can out still. Some I can still trust Which him. Which one to... was knowing again? Knowing's the, the one numbers. where he's got the kid, yeah. and they find the time capsule. Um, uh, that was premonition, great. basically. It's like and the and thing. like the time capsule has like all these like weird things and triggering premonitions, and right. yeah. um, something about the end of the world is ha- has to do with Nicolas Cage and his son, and he knows about it. Mm-hmm. And Hence he why it's called it. knowing. Yeah. Oh, he's trying to stop it. Yeah, he knows. I think that that I honestly think that that was foreshadowing that Nicolas Cage will have something to do with the end of the world. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Well, you know, he did do Left Behind, and we the remake of that. So we we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I am kind of looking forward to some of Nicolas Cage's future projects. Like he's going to be in Snowden, Um, so I'm kind of interested to see what's if he may go on another upswing. I feel like he's kind of due for that. Nice. Does um, he play like a like an FBI agent? In probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say he goes total character actor. I say he goes like the Philip Seymour Hoffman route. You're never really, really? the leading man except for small art pictures. But you're you are in high profile movies where you bring yeah. that heat, like the entertaining like aspect billing. that Sarah says, where he's so entertaining. Yeah, yeah I think actually, honestly, if it wasn't for leaving Las Vegas, he would have been a character actor. I think mm-hmm. he really would have just been a character actor. maybe even actually prior to moonstruck yeah i think he just would have stayed being a character type actor because he would have been one who would have gotten like a cult following or, sure yeah. i'm not saying like i'm not saying he's going to be completely sidelined like you know yeah, he so that one guy actors. and that so other guy then, like leaving las vegas is not only like his high point but also his kind of downfall like, i think yeah. um i wouldn't say it's his downfall no. because again I, I always can rely on him to entertain i think he is constantly entertaining i think he's actually pretty consistent in how entertaining Downfall he is. in the terms of having a pretty clean reputation, though. Clean reputation, yeah, I and mean... His choice in scripts has been, is what yeah. I think is what she's talking I about. Think, I think that happens after Face Off. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He okay. needs to hire somebody to read his fucking scripts for him yeah. and tell him whether he should do it. Someone that right. he trusts instead of letting him read it, because... Like Sarah said before, where he was all in, in on the joke for Wicker Man, or was that yeah. you, Roxy? No, that was me. That was you, yeah. So... Maybe he's just picking shit that he's like, oh, this would be fun. Oh, I think yeah. the other ridiculous. thing too. Um, I think the other thing too is he he loves working. Mm. He mm. he constantly likes to work. Workaholic. He kind of he's described it like he's like a working dog, like a like one of those high energy breeds that like so if he you don't is ADHD. Yeah, if you don't <laughs> if you don't give him something to do, he's like climbing the walls. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, he's just he's just somebody who needs to work. And so, you know, he's going to pick a bunch of shit and see what sticks to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> That's his career modus yeah. operandi. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yes, yeah, so let's get into some listener feedback. Let's yes. do it. Listener feedback. Yeah. All right, so a while back, I talked a little bit of shit, yeah, <laughs> if you, you guys did. remember. Um, oh, we we had a little bit of a, a pissing contest about DVD collections with Red's Freaky Jess the Red on Twitter. No, and well, then her no. friend Alexis it was her friend. Got, she jumped was, in on she it was and was instigating like, oh, it. She realized this turned into a pissing contest, and then I turned into an asshole. And then, like, Red's Freaky was like, you really need to read Alexis's blog. And I read it. It's called The Tau of D&D, and that's also his Twitter account it's tau of D, and if you search this he's got one of the like this guy's a really good writer hmm. and you guys need to check out his blog there's awesome blog entries in there stuff that gets really down deep like nerdy about D and other things if you are a real <clears throat> nerd and a fan of this podcast i'm sure that you'll enjoy it so check yeah. it out wow. um, so yeah, let's, let's clarify though that 
Red's Freaky was really just an instigator between the two. She was just trying to on- make an honest connection between two nerdy groups. Yeah. And then when I was a total dick, like she was like, I was, she didn't respond to anything. I was like, hey, are we still friends? And she's like, really? I don't know anymore. I don't know. Aww. And I was like, oh, come on. She's playing with you. I love Red's Freaky because she's, really, she's sassy. She's, yeah, she tweets us a lot. And uh, she actually tweeted me the other day talk, telling, um, saying that she liked my laugh. And that when, she, when I lose it on Nears on Film, that's all she can do to not join you and be the weirdo in public. And continuing that tweet, she said that uh, she'll mostly consist of her covering her mouth and giggling like an idiot on public transit. And to that, I said, more power to you, girlfriend. Yeah. The struggle is real. It's better than making <laughs> so. you piss yourself on public transit, which is what people react to the things I say. Yeah, so I guess I'm a little bit more mild in that regard. I can appreciate that. Compliment. Oh, if there are two <laughs> fans of our podcast that are on uh, like a subway together and one of them's laughing really hard and the other one's pissing themselves, they'll be like, oh, we're nerds on film fans. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Well, I mean, in that regard, that's from the, from the Twitterverse. Um, on the email verse, uh, the email verse, that sort of thing. You got a ton of emails. Yeah, we've got we've got a couple, so we'll kind of maybe jump jump around a little bit. But um, going jump back around. to Jacob talking about uh, the Western epics. Mm. He says, uh, Dear Nerds on Film, I've already requested quite a few episodes for Nerds on, Nerds on History. He has a few suggestions for their NOF, um, in keeping with our recent Western theme in regards to when we did our uh, Spaghetti Western episode. And he said, um, how about talking about the how the West was won? It's a classic in cinema, has 100% Rotten Tomatoes, and the score is number 25. It's also an awesome Louis L'Amour novel. Um, so he's a pretty big fan. And uh, as far as that goes, I mean, I think it'd be awesome if we did another, another Western episode. I um, do agree yeah we should line. do another western episode and i think we should mention that movie but i hate it yeah. i absolutely hate it when people bring up rotten tomatoes reviews <laughs> where a movie that is so fucking old that there were like four reviewers they're like it has 100 percent. you're like yeah all four people that all were fucking four. reviewing movies <laughs> like it yeah good it's point. like nowadays it's tough to get into the into the 90s because there's a hundred thousand fucking people reviewing it so mm-hmm. don't ever bring that up please <laughs> Okay, the good point then. Well, you guys, sense. this Charlie Chaplin movie has a hundred percent in Rotten Tomatoes because the one <laughs> newspaper said it was great. Hers oh. thought it was wonderful. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. In that sense, I think we'll, we'll definitely do a, a, a another Western episode down the line. Um, but I also wanted to mention quickly um, Hillary. She responded to us back in early June, and remember how like her first message got cut off, and we totally didn't like. I, Hillary, I apologize for not responding and letting you know that your message got cut off in time. But wanted to kind of read your feedback that you did send now. Um, in that regard, she disagrees with me about Agent Carter. Um, she loves her character and would gladly watch as many episodes as they decide to make. And this is when we were talking about the um, Age of Ultron, how mm-hmm. I had this kind of issue with uh, Peggy Carter, or Peggy Carter, uh, Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the timelines were a little bit mixed up. But she did say that um, she wants to watch Haley Atwell and whatever work she does. I'd let her do so many things to me. You mean both, girl. Um, the whole timeline of her character is more than likely clarified for you by now, so I won't go into that. Sean, she says, Sean, I agree that setting the team up and then busting through a hun- bunch of Hydra bases before the one at the opening of the movie wasn't something that we needed to see. Um, like they gave enough information uh, that we could have moved on. Sarah, she didn't care for the Natasha Bruce thing. Yeah. Uh, so she concurs with you about that. Friendship would have been amazing, but the whole romance thing just threw her off and didn't seem necessary. Yep. Uh, <laughs> she gives us kudos for doing the claw thing from Toy Story. <laughs> that the was claw. pretty funny. He has been chosen. <laughs> back, back, you um, zealots. Yeah, she, more, she said she wanted more Rhodey and more Falcon. I think we definitely agree with that fact. 
Um, she says, I love the idea of Sam being a good bro and trying to find Bucky. I don't think of anything else I need to comment on, so I'll wrap it up by saying the entire Nerdonomy team is fucking fantastic and it kept me laughing at all the way through my degree and some tough times. Anytime we find ourselves in Minnesota, hit her up. Minnesota? And I know, eh? Yeah, shit, why not? And uh, she, she sincerely wishes us all the fucking best. And we need a P.O. box because she wants to send us cookies. Yeah. This cookie thing has been going on for way too long. <laughs> we need Somebody cookies. just give them their actual address. She's not going to come wear your skin as a fucking suit. <laughs> I'll give her my I'll give her my address. But no, she'll send it to me. I'll mail it to you Ew. with a bite taken out of every fucking cookie. Okay, fine, jerk. That's yeah. I'm not gonna eat specific cookies. I'm gonna take a bite out of every cookie and then send it to you, fuckers. Yeah, yeah, that's that is true actually because you have to actually that might not be a bad idea because it'll cost her less than shipping to send to Colorado than all the way out to California. This so is somewhat true. Who wants to read a bit of Wayne's feedback? I will read Wayne's feedback. Okay. It's really long and wonderful, Wayne. Thank you for all your <coughs> feedback. We'll try and get it. It's really long yeah, and wonderful, Wayne. I didn't mean it like that. Wayne writes uh, Bond, James Bond, and Rape in Game of Thrones. Ugh. <laughs> Nerds, hi. I love the James Bond episode, and I personally think that each James Bond is a different guy because otherwise he would be like 40 when he was be became an agent plus 50 years of missions. That means by the end of or the beginning... Depending on how you look at it, he'd be like 90. Plus, technology would be going backward, which is just dumb, but I guess we will never know. Also, in regards to the Game of Thrones rape scene, I think that the reason people were upset, the reason I was upset, was because the writers had spent the better of a season, argu and arguably the previous four seasons, building up Sansa's character, uh, showing that she had uh, what it takes to make it into this ruthless world. They made it seem as though she had overcome all her hardships, and was finally beginning to grasp some power of her own, but then a man basically came along and took all of that away just by thrusting his dick a few times. Yikes. Wow. Don't mince words, do you? Yeah, no, not at all. No, honestly, you never see that dick coming. <laughs> well, I guess you do. <coughs> Unless it it's inside. Uh, it was sort yeah. of a giant fuck you to Sansa and women in general, and basically said no matter Sansa. how much... Sorry. Sansa. Sorry, I don't watch the show. I know. You are forgiven. You don't have Send to your hate mail to brianertonomy.com so I can delete it. Um... <laughs> However, he actually thinks the scene was constructed rather well. It wasn't gratuitous, like it was so easily could have been, and all we really saw was Reek's face as he watched. Which is another p issue that people had, was that they made it about Reek and yeah, him so. having to watch Sansa as opposed to Sansa getting raped. Right. So yeah. uh, I guess it's sort of a mixed bag, is what he says. Well, I think the scene was well executed, and while rape is a thing that is extremely pervasive in that universe of, our, of, that, of our own, uh, I think a thing should be acknowledged. So uh, I'm going to cut to the end and say, still love the show, though. And I'm totally gay for Jon Snow. Me I want too. his babies. I miss him already. Spoilers, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, Hope if, you guys are all caught up. <laughs> Seriously. If not I don't know. Yeah. I didn't know. A lot of people Thanks. Don't. Fucking thanks, Wayne. Really? A lot of people don't Top think that he's dead, you. though. Yeah. People don't believe it. They think he's going to come back as a White yeah. Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, thanks for the feedback. We're going to close, because we got a ton of feedback. We'll finish up the rest of it the next episode. Yep. We're going to close with one of our perennial, not perennial, one of our frequent and one of our new, like... Sean doesn't like how I've had groupies, but one of our new fanboys. Uh, Josh. Did you say nude fanboys? No, I said new. Nude. New fanboys. I wouldn't mind. He's 15. Nude that is not okay. Oh, never mind. Exactly. Eat those words. Eat those words. Nom, 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 nom. Oh, we're erasing like that ever happened. It oh. did not happen. If you if you were under 18, you should be Sarah listening to this Ashley, podcast. Sarah Ashley, you want to know how she really feels about consent. Sarah always says that. If you're under 18, you shouldn't be listening to the podcast. 
I watched fucking Pulp Fiction when I was 13, and I would be listening to this podcast if I was fucking 13, see. too. I Guys, see to what this does to you when you listen to the to stuff t- earlier than you're supposed to? I'm just trying to absolve us of responsibility, oh, Jesus. Okay, so, Josh writes, Quizmaster and other things. Hello, nerds. I just wanted to say that I loved this way back episode where Eric was the Quizmaster on NOF. It was extremely irritating, and I hope you all do well. By the way, tell Brian, take a nap. I love listening to him on the show, and I hope he joins you all again in the near future. We will certainly mm-hmm. send that his way. Yes. Keep up the good work, and I will send, keep on sending in the feedback. Sincerely, he must Joshua. be. He must be so far back that it's like when you were super tired from like finishing school, working, and doing a play. That's why yeah. he's telling you to take a nap. Uh, no, 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 no. Take a no, no, no. About Brian Nap. Brian Nap. Because uh, we were joking that his, you remember the pun he made where he's like, Brian punches in the face, take a nap. Take a yes. nap. That would be his pun if he was in an action yeah. movie. Okay, so, that's it for feedback. That's it for feedback. So, guys, this is the important part. Go to nerdonomy.com. Check us out because we obviously like hearing from our fans. And chances are we're probably going to read your shit on air. So you should go nerdonomy.com, click that talk to us link, send us an email. Um, or if you feel like talking to us through, I don't know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, we're on all of those at Nerdonomy. Um, and you can also, while you're on our website, you can click that handy dandy little donate button if you're feeling so generous. If you feel like you want to get something out of it in the mm-hmm. long term, you can go to our merch page or you can go click uh, the Audible banner or go to audibletrial.com slash Nerdonomy. Try a free trial. We get a little bit of a cut. Don't hate it. Uh, but the most important part is to go onto iTunes, onto Stitcher, onto whatever your podcast uh, downloading device thing is. And uh, give us a review. Mm-hmm. Or even better, just tell your friends about us. Pimp us out on Facebook. Start slapping Nerdonomy stickers all over the world. Do we have stickers? No, you can make some. Yeah. And, Good. <laughs> and send them to us. Because <laughs> we're And then we'll sell them back to you for it twice the price. <laughs> but no, really, um, tell your friends about us because we love what we do and we'd like to continue to do it. Thanks. Yes. Spread the word of nerd. Like a bird turd. Like a bird turd. Because they get uh, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and they fuck up cars. Nerds, it is that time, so until we meet again, stay nerdy and tune into our next exciting episode. Same nerd time, same nerd channel, nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Goodbye. <laughs> and roll credits. Famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Because <laughs> nobody wants to hear that during sex. Nobody wants nobody. to hear that.